The live opinions, descriptions, and accounts expressed on the Best of Times Radio Hour are those of the hosts and the guests of this show, and not necessarily those of Town Square Media or this station. Consult with your attorney, accountant, or other professional for final advice in making your decision. The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, Architects listeners. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today and also thanking those listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the radio pup application on their iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn a little about military history, especially how the United States has been militarily involved with almost every country on Earth. So stay tuned to the show for some very interesting information that you may not be aware of. It is Saturday, November the 7th, and we are broadcasting a radio show today for the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept call-in questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the November issue of the Best of Times at one of our 528 distribution locations. This issue features Once Upon a Time love stories for all ages. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, remember, you can visit our website at www.thebestoftimenews.com to view current and past issues of our magazine, as well as listening to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Please visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for a listing of upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Standing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those who are listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest, is a military historian. His name is Christopher Kelly, who's had a lifelong passion for military history. And he's come on my show today to discuss his, one of his books called America Invades, how the United States has invaded or was militarily involved with almost every country on earth. Well, thank you, Christopher, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Gary, great to be with you today. Well, you're, I, I read your book, and I was fascinated. I, um, it's like a history book, but I'll tell the listeners it's divided up by countries, right? 
That's right. We have a, a chapter on almost on every country in the world, uh, 194 different uh, uh, chapters in the book, from Afghanistan to Zimbabwe, and we talk about American military involvement with almost every one of those countries. Yeah, wow. Yes. I, I like the way that's formatted. So how long did it take you to do the research in this particular book? It took a couple years uh, of, of time, and we had two authors working. It was myself and my co-author, whose name is Stuart Laycock. He published a book in 2012 called All the Countries We've Invaded, which, and he's English, and that book was from a British perspective about uh-huh. how Britain invaded, Britain invaded 90% of all the countries in the world. And so he wrote that book. I wrote a review of it. And I met him, I sent him the review, we met in a pub in London, and I said, I enjoyed your book, but as an American, I'd like to see how America compares with Britain. Uh, we don't have quite as much history, but we have, you know, been uh, active in, in the invasion and military category for quite some time. So that's kind of the origin, and then we wrote that for our book together. Oh, well, I also wanted to tell our listeners out there, when I read it, I, and he says, you say this quite a bit in the book, is, is you're trying to show that uh, United States has been a good guy in most of these situations. We made mistakes, but most of the times we're there to help people and help their freedoms and help those countries. Is that correct? Well, I think that's true. I mean, invasions can be somewhat misleading in the sense that many uh, of our invasions were also liberations. I mean, I certainly would say that's true for D-Day, for uh, for the liberation of the Philippines in 1945 at the end of World War II, and many more uh, have been have clearly been liberations of, of occupied countries, and 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 uh, the the invaded countries have been grateful. I mean, certainly the French are grateful that we participated and led the. Uh, Allied invasion of Normandy back in June 1944. Uh, so now it doesn't mean that we haven't made mistakes because, of course, and nobody's perfect, and we're not either. But um, but we, you know, we, we don't think that invasions are necessarily a, a negative, so to speak. You know, and that's one thing I had. Um, uh You've been fe- featured in my uh, magazine called The Best of Times, and, I, and also I had um, announcements about you appearing on my radio show. And one person came up to me and says, well, America's always been an imperialist country trying to take over the world. I said, you know, I don't think so. But some of the people back in the old days de- definitely thought of that, right? Teddy Roosevelt's time, wasn't that a big, big the era of possible imperialism? Yes, uh, yeah. There's certainly uh, some historians would say that that uh, that yeah, you had when you fought this, we fought the Spanish-American War uh, against the Spaniards, and we did invade Cuba, and and Teddy Roosevelt fought the Battle of San Juan Hill, and and Dewey, Admiral Dewey, defeated the Spanish fleet at the Battle of Manila Bay, and then we occupied the Philippines. But that was kind of the you know the imperial heyday, if you will. But it was the heyday for imperialism worldwide too. It wasn't just us. Right. Uh, you had a, a British Empire, French Empire, the Germans were trying, you know, trying to get as many colonies in Africa, all over the world as they could. I mean, even the Italians were were had uh, had colonies as well. So, so yeah, uh, you had an imperial period, a phase. Um, but uh, and then military involvement. We had, we divided into two categories. We had invasions, and we have what is it, invaded or fought in. If you just think of it as Americans fighting, we fought in. About 85 countries in the world, which represents about 34 percent. But we're militarily involved with almost all of the rest, and military involvements 
that might mean things like, for instance, Portugal. We haven't invaded Portugal, but we've had bases on the Azores since World War II that were designed to, to fight against Nazi submarines, and we still have bases on the Azores today. So, in your um, research, did you find any, like, wow findings that, that like, like this came out of the, came out of the paper, and that you said, you know, this is like sure. startling. What what were some of those? Well, I think one of the I, mean, I happen to be on the road right now. I'm headed to uh, Mount Vernon uh, in Virginia, and and that's the source of one of our stories. I mean that we had when you look at American invasions, and this is and not all in American invasions are by the U.S. government. There, you know, sometimes where Americans get involved without their country, and and what we found is that the earliest thing that you could call an American invasion, in other words, Americans fighting in a foreign country, took place actually in 1741. And it took place in a country that today, in modern geography, would be Colombia. And it was during the Spanish uh, and the war and Britain called the, the War of Jenkins' Year. And there was an invasion led by uh, Admiral Vernon, uh, who was a, of the Royal, Admiral, a Royal Navy, a, a Brit, and they assaulted Cartagena. And there were about 3,500 American colonial troops that were participating in that assault, one of whom was Lawrence Washington, who is the, was the older half-brother of George. And he ended up uh, the assault was not successful, but Lawrence must have formed a high opinion of his commanding officer because he named his home after his officer. And when George later inherited the home from his brother, he retained the name of Mount Vernon. Mount so there's a connection between, yeah, so there's a connection between Mount Vernon, George Washington's home, and the very first American invasion. And, th- and this was well before we had the United States, or we were still colonies, right? That's right. There was no, I mean, this is long before 1776, 1741. So, and this is not, of course, not the U.S. government, but, you know, again, 3,500 American colonial troops participating in a foreign foreign attack. Uh, That's that's a pretty significant number. I mean, we're not talking about 50 people or 100 100 soldiers. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, if you had, if, for instance, today, uh, you know, the President of the United States ordered 3,500 troops to attack a foreign country, I mean, a lot of the media would no doubt <laughs> consider that an invasion, whether, you know, whether it was or not. But, uh, but, and participating in, in a, even if it was part of a coalition group, that's a pretty substantial thing, even today. And, and it certainly was back then as well. So, in your findings, um, tell our listeners, how many countries has the United States invaded or fought, and uh, so define that term before you give the figure. So invaded means? For us, an invasion just meant American troops, uh, Americans fighting, uh, armed Americans fighting in a foreign country. So we didn't look at anything inside of the U.S. We only looked at at, uh, engagements that took place outside of what today is the United States. So we weren't concerned with, like, the American Revolution or the U.S. Civil War or, you know, involvements with Native Americans. We were looking at Americans fighting abroad, but we did include things that are not related, that don't involve the government, like, I mean, uh, for instance, um, we did raids into Canada after the Civil War um, that were done by you know, Irish Americans uh, that raided into Canada that you know did not have the sanction of the United States government, but there were you know considerable raids of, of uh, Irish Americans into to, into Canada that in the 1860s and so.
Yeah, I saw that. So, so your findings was that 85, 194 countries we have invaded or fought. That's right. So 85 out of 100, 195 countries in the UN, uh, we took out the United States, so leaving 194. So out of the 194, we have invaded or fought in uh, 85 or 44 percent of those. Wow. And, 40. And then, and then as far as military involvement, uh, we've had military involvement of some kind with almost all the rest. The only, uh, out of 194, we've, had, we've only missed three, and those three are Andorra, Bhutan, and Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein, and that's still a bit. Liechtenstein is in Europe, very, very, very small country. I think it only has one city and one country, right? That's right. It's a principality of Liechtenstein, a tiny country next to Switzerland and Austria. I, I actually visited there this summer, and uh, they, they did a little write-up on, on you know, put me in the in the, oh. news, in the local newspaper. It's kind of funny. Well, in 1972, I actually stayed there and visited that country and got my passport stamp back in the 70s. You could get get them stamped, but I got mine stamped on the, off the train and got off and stayed. I think I stayed a, a day or so and, and toured the area, which was like, uh, it was quite quite a, quite an interesting fiasco. So of 191, 191 of 94, that, that's a 98% uh that we were military involved, and, and define our listeners what you what you what came up with this particular term. Military involved would mean right. It could mean different things, but we but we wanted it to be a, a significant military involvement, not something like just Marines being posted to an embassy or or a satellite flying over a country. I mean, it was more along the lines of you know setting up bases, being having a military a formal military alliance with. Doing training exercises in that that type of thing would, for us, counted as as a military involvement. I mean, if I were redoing the book or updating the book, I probably would add the um, I mean the Spencer Stone incident that happened this summer, back in August, where there was a terrorist attack on board a train, and there was a, a American airman right. who helped to foil that plot. And and so you could you could I think legitimately call that a military involvement, you know, clearly not an invasion. But and also I think I would put that down as a you know as a heroic military involvement as well. I mean, he he saved many lives in that process. That is true. Okay, I know our listeners are asking. So those three countries that we didn't was there any reason? Uh, Liechtenstein. Well, those three countries and, that that weren't in, that were that we did not have any military sure. involvement. Why? Why do we know? So those three, Andorra, Bhutan, Liechtenstein. And I mean, most of them are in the mountains. I mean, Andorra, Bhutan, very mountainous. Uh, Liechtenstein is tiny, postage-stamp-sized, and, you know, famous for their postage stamps, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, so the those are the three we – I mean, who knows? They may be on some future president's to-do list. I don't know <laughs> about the future. Let's hope not. Let, let's hope not. <laughs> yes. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by A Bears, Stunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. 
Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Sunny Country Edge Report, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is a military historian, Christopher Kelly, who has had a lifetime, lifelong passion for military history. And we are, he's on the show today to discuss his book, America Invades, how the U.S. has, has invaded or was militarily involved in, with almost every country on Earth. Thank you again, Christopher, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Great to be with you, Gary. So, as we, we mentioned in our prior segment, uh, 85 of 194 countries in the world has been invaded by the United States, or we have fought on, and, and on the, in those countries. And then we also learned that's 44%. And then the U.S. has been involved militarily in 191 of 194 countries. That is a 98%. And there were only uh, three small countries, very small countries, that we just left alone and nothing. we didn't have any, any boots or military or any, any kind of involvement, correct? That's right. Three countries, Andorra, Bhutan, and Liechtenstein. That's right. So I, uh, your book is fascinating. Again, I will mention to my listeners, pick up a copy, especially, especially if you're interested in history and military history. And he outlines it by country, which means he has a, a chapter about 100 and, uh, 191 different chapters in there, about one for every particular country. So uh, I thought that, that was a fascinating way to, to, to format. And, and mention again to our listeners, there was... An, an invasion. The United States actually got involved uh, in, in with Canada, right? Or Colombia? Yeah, yeah. Colombia. Uh, well before 1776. That's right. 1741. Uh, we had American, American colonial troops fighting in what is today Colombia uh, in the War of Independence, uh, led by Admiral Vernon, uh, who commanded uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Washington, George Washington's older half brother. And the, again, that particular contact didn't end, wasn't successful, correct? It was, yeah. They launched an assault on Cartagena, and uh, Admiral Vernon, his interesting character, his, his nickname was Old Grog, uh, I think because he likes to give rum rations to the to the sailors and to his troops. And, uh, but he was, was George, I mean, Lawrence Washington's commanding officer, and of course, uh, he named his home after that. And George later inherited the home from his brother, and he retained that, that name. So that's why, you know, Mount Vernon is connected to the very first, uh, what you could have called the very first American invasion. Um, in, in reading your book, I learned something that I was not aware of. Uh, I know that during the, the uh, War of Independence of the United States against Great Britain and the United Kingdom, we actually invaded them. We went, we went to England? We did. I think this is a, a fact that's astounding even to Englishmen who you may not be aware that the, you could arguably say that the most recent invasion of England where you know foreign troops actually landed on... Place, was actually led by Americans uh, in 1778, April 1778. John Paul Jones 
you had a raid on Whitehaven, which is a town in Cumbria on on the uh, west coast of, of England. Uh, it was a, at that point it was like the b- third biggest seaport in Britain. It was a fairly busy town. It's famous for coal, and we had coal mines up until the 80s uh, in that area, until the 1980s. But so it was a pretty thriving seaport. John Paul Jones, he is actually Scottish, but he of course became known as the father of the American Navy and is buried today at, at Annapolis in Maryland. But he uh, led a ship, the Ranger, that, that uh, did a, launched a raid against Whitehaven. Nobody was actually killed or even injured in this raid, but they did burn one coal ship in harbor. And as a result of it, uh, I mean, the, Amer- the English press was was furious that that the Americans had brought the revolution home to England. And as a consequence of this, and it was kind of an economic war, if you will, uh, insurance rates doubled for shipping doubled <laughs> overnight uh, after after the Whitehaven raid. So it did have a negative impact. Well, yeah, it, it did have kind of the effect that they were looking for to that. All of a sudden, the English became concerned, and they had to spend money fortifying, you know, harbors and things like that. And so, so yeah, uh, it was it had an impact. And and the Americans, even in the American Revolution, we were pretty aggressive. I mean, we invaded Canada. I had an ancestor who was at the siege of Quebec in, in March of 1776. Uh, whose commanding officer was actually Benedict Arnold. We have a letter reproduced in the book of, from, from uh, about concerning his service there. And so we were invading Canada. We actually invaded the Bahamas. We launched the very first uh, amphibious invasion, or the first kind of use of the Marines, in a sense, uh, was in the Bahamas during the American Revolution. So we were, you know, we weren't just fighting in what you consider the 13 colonies at that point. And um, I thought your section on Canada is quite interesting because uh, I've, I've, I've heard of information that we were we were wanting that can, that Canada become our 14th colony, and that's one of the reasons why there were there was a lot of fighting going uh, between between the, the, the 13 colonies in Canada. Is that correct? Well, it's true. It's true because I mean, we, there were a lot of Americans who casted where you might say covetous eyes to, up north towards Canada. I mean, of course, Canada as such didn't exist in those times, but it was British-controlled Canada, and Canada came along later. But I mean, Thomas Jefferson, for instance, said prior to the War of 1812 that he thought that that inv- the invasion, of, an American invasion of Canada, would be a mere matter of marching, uh, were his exact words, and he encouraged Madison. Uh, in the War of 1812 to invade Canada, you know, hoping to annex it and hoping to basically to throw the, you know, George III, throw the, the British out of Canada for good. Uh, that, of course, didn't work out exactly the way they planned, but, uh, but we did invade, we invaded Canada in the American Revolution. We invaded in 1812. Uh, I have another ancestor who's, who was, um, who I just went to his, his gravesite in Albany, uh, at the Albany Rural Cemetery, his name was Stephen Van Rensler, who led the New York militia during the War of 1812, too. But so we have we have you know sparred with Canada or in Canadian territory you know many times over our history. Even though they're of course are very good friends today, I mean they're probably our, our closest. Well, we fought together in two world wars, and we have a very peaceful border with uh, with Canada. And you know I mean they're obviously probably our closest ally in the world. Um, another special finding that I thought in the book, that I want to tell our listeners about this one, is America developed a love for pizza during World War II. Is that correct? 
Uh, that's that's true. It's a, it was a story. My hometown is Sacramento, California, and my father went to high school with a guy named Shaky Johnson, who went to Sacramento High School. And he, uh, after Pearl Harbor, he joined the U.S. Navy, and he was sent to the Mediterranean, and he called on ports in in Italy, and he learned uh, to he gained an appreciation for pizza, and he brought that back with him to his hometown, to Sacramento, and he started a restaurant, the very first family pizza restaurant in the United States, first chain, uh, called Shaky's Pizza, which, you know, served uh, pizza and beer on wooden tables with root beer and and uh, was very popular and was imitated and copied many times, but it was really the first... Uh, the first, uh, you know, uh, family pizza chain in the U.S. And it was throughout the United States. We even had them in in Louisiana and in Texas. Shakey's Pizza Parlors. There were, sure. there sure. were, you know, I don't know if there were franchises. I just copied his name, but the, back then they, I don't know if they had franchisees or you know, uh, Domino's like uh, branches throughout the United States. But yes, I remember going to a Shakey's Pizza and thought that was the most remarkable thing ever. Uh, and it, it started again. Like the story, like you told us uh, during World War II, remarkable. That's right. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, that you had 16 million Americans, uh, men and women, serving in World War II, and of course, you know, they got exposed to a lot of the world uh, and saw different parts of the world that they never would have seen before uh, had it not been for the war. And so, you know, some things, some things come out of war that are, you know, I, I would say, you know, pizza is a pretty kind of a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 it's, it's some, sometimes good things can come out of war. Too. Well, we don't want to give everything away about your book, but your book has fascinating stories. It's not a matter of just a statement. Uh, Christopher elaborates on these countries and how America was involved in various various action. And I thought one of them was about the story about the American polar bears from Michigan invading Russia. Tell our listeners a little right. bit snippet about that one. Sure. Uh, during World War One, we were we joined late in World War One. Uh, the United States joined in 1917 uh, to the Allied side, and the Allied side part of them, that coalition included Russia, Tsarist Russia. But Tsarist Russia from 1917 on became involved in a in a civil war and a, the Russian Revolution. And uh, one side, Lenin, uh, wanted to. And make immediate peace with the Germans and, and to end war, whereas the Allies wanted to keep Russia in the war on the Allied side. So the Allies sent an expeditionary force, including Americans, and many of these were uh, to Russia. They went to northern Russia, and some also went to Vladivostok in the, in the Pacific as well. Uh, but they were there to intervene in the Russian Revolution on the side of the white forces and to help to try to keep Russia in the war. It didn't really work out uh, as planned, uh, but many of the these guys were, they were called the Polar Bear Expedition, and many of them were from the state of Michigan. And you can find today in Troy, Michigan, a monument uh, to the Whitechapel Cemetery uh, to the uh, Polar Bear Expedition, and they're still remembered by uh, descendants, relatives of the polar bear uh, people, folks, uh, to this day. And didn't you mention something? Did Russia mention this in years past about this? Uh, about yeah, this? Khrushchev was got excited about it and put up monuments <laughs> and, and and tried to make you know some propaganda hay out of it. I suppose. Oh, uh, wow. Other thing that was interesting about it was that that it was one of the few 
American expeditions that was had a, a foreign commander. I mean, that the, the the general in charge was General Ironside from the from the from uh, who was a Brit. And so again, you had Americans serving, but with a with a uh, foreign commander, which was unusual. It's been unusual in American military history to to do that. So that's the the Admiral of the Ironside ship, which we had uh, was involved with earlier, right? Early in conflicts, that's the same ship. Uh, well, there was General. His name was General Ironside, oh, okay. the British commander of the of that northern northern expedition that, that uh, 19, 1918 to nineteen nineteen they fought in in Russia. Well, speaking of navy, I found this fascinating. I was not aware of this. I knew that John Paul Jones was the father of the United States Navy, but I never knew the rest of the story of what happened after he either retired or, or left the United States. Tell the listeners what happened. Well, let's see. well, he did go on to other things. He, I mean, after, I mean, he was not as appreciated as you might expect or think, and or that he, and he, as he later became kind of after death. Uh, but he ended up going to fight in Russia for the the uh, for uh, Catherine Catherine the Great, and he joined the Russian Navy for a while. And he was kind of a a uh, you know a, a freelancer, so to speak. I mean, he was kind of a mercenary. Admiral uh, working for the Russians, and he fought against the Turks in the Black Sea uh, in conflicts there. And then he later uh, ended up uh, dying kind of in poverty in Paris uh, at a relatively young age. I think he was just in his 40s or so when he when he died. Well, so he was a very young uh, naval captain when he when he fought in in, in the war. Uh, you know, during our during our particular battles. Wow, I didn't know he was that young. Yeah, he was a pretty young guy, the son of a, Scotch, a Scottish gardener, and I mean he was really born in in, what, in in Scotland, but he obviously adopted America and be, you know, became an American captain. And uh, I mean his immediate report, the people he was when he was doing the Whitehaven raid on the UK and England, I mean he was reporting to uh, Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, who were based in France at the time. So. Right. Um, you have many, many fascinating stories, uh, military history stories, et cetera, throughout your book. And one of them I, it just caught my attention was tell our listeners about how Norwegian scientists nearly started World War III. Uh, this is a, kind of an interesting and surprising <laughs> incident, too. Uh, this it took place in 1995, so this is after the Cold War is over. And this is during the Clinton administration. And the Norwegian scientists got the idea of trying to gather data on the phenomenon of the northern lights. And so they decided to, to shoot some rockets up into the sky in, in, after, in ch- kind of chasing and gathering data on the northern lights. The problem with that is that, you know, Northern Lights, you never quite know when it's going to happen. So they didn't put a press release out or tell anybody that this is going to happen. So this appeared on Russian radar screens as these missiles, you know, going up towards the Arctic. And the immediate Russian assumption was that the U.S. Navy had launched uh, missiles uh, and, and they were, were doing some kind of attack. Now, fortunately, cooler heads prevailed and uh, and nothing uh, did eventuate they, they you know and, and obviously it was it was just a mistake an accident an accidental assumption that was made initially by the Russians but I just thought it was kind of an interesting anecdote 
that, uh, you know, and, you know, I guess proof that uh, maybe proof that there is a God, or, you know, looking out for us to avoid <laughs> catastrophes like this, I suppose. So how did you find out about this one? I've never heard of it before myself. I'm sure I don't know all these little faggots. Was it top secret declassified information? Uh, let's see. I, I mean, must have been. I mean, I found it from a number of different sources. Uh, Tucker has a history of the U.S. military that includes a mention of it, I believe. And so there are, you know, there are a number. It's. I mean, but it has been declassified. Yes, and you know, obviously, fortunately, nothing, nothing lethal was launched, and and uh, cooler heads prevailed. And you know, luckily, they hopefully they picked up. I don't know if they they had the red phone. They probably picked up the phone and talked to each other and said, nope, this is not. We're just there's somebody else doing this right those Norwegian <laughs> yeah. scientists are doing this this is not from our uh, this is not from our Polaris submarines or whatever I was in 1995 you know there were up, oh, there, right. up there in the straits in a particular area I, I thought yeah, just, another uh, aspect you talk about American food fights so tell her listeners about these particular the pig war in Canada the watermelon war in Panama and the pastry war in Mexico start with the pastry war <laughs> Entry war sounds like something out of Monty Python, I think. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was. Uh, it took place in Mexico. There was a dispute, I think, between. It was really between the French government and the Mexicans, and over, I believe, a debt uh, that was owed to the French government that wasn't being paid. And so the French sent some ships uh, to Mexico and were threatening to bomb some, uh, you know, Veracruz and places like that. And some America, but we actually got involved in it too. This is like in the eight, I want to say 1850s, I believe. Uh, and so we got involved in terms of supporting with a ship as well. So that's the pastry war. The, the, the pig war took place in my home state of Washington on the San Juan Islands. And that was a conflict. And this is the 1850s when, you know, Canada still is kind of not yet, but on some islands out in the San Juans, where, and there was a, you know, a, and the, I mean, the only casualty of this war was a pig, where, you know, and, but there actually was an escalation after the pig was shot. I forget whether it was a British or an American pig, but, they, but both sides kind of brought troops in, but nothing happened. This is in 1859. And then in the, the other, the, the, the watermelon war, another kind of food war, uh, that was in Panama, and it was really, I mean, it's called the Watermelon War, but it really was a, more of a riot. I mean, that you had one, you know, intoxicated American tourist who, what? who uh, what? basically... <laughs> one white, tourist caused this? Wow. I didn't remember that well, part. <laughs> okay. was this one, one tourist, he was walking in Panama, and he swiped watermelon from this fruit vendor without paying, uh, and... The fruit vendor got, you know, got upset, and but you know, as a result, though, something like 18 people were actually killed. Um, oh. uh, in, again, in, it's in the 1850s. So, I mean, it wasn't. I, I don't think it was a war in a true sense, but they, but it is called if you look it up, uh, the Watermelon War. And so we sent troops. We had troops present to defend him, or what? I don't, I don't remember well, we the, the chapter I mean, about that one, but I, I remember mentioning. I'm not sure. I mean, I know that we've been, we've had troops and we sent troops to Central America and Panama many times, and you had many Marines landing at various times to, to protect uh, American interests and American lives. So I wouldn't be surprised if we did have some some deployment that you know followed this this watermelon war or riot, if you will. We'll be right back with more information. But now, a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealers. 
Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Avers, Tenning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I thank you for listening to our show today. Also, thank those listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. Joining me on my show as a special guest is military historian Christopher Kelly, who has had a lifelong passion for military history, and we're discussing his new book, America Invades, How the U.S. Has Invaded or Was Militarily Involved in Almost Every Country on Earth. Thank you again, Christopher, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thanks, Gary. Glad to be with you. His book is available, of course, on uh, our friends at Amazon.com, and you can go to, I've even put it on our bestoftimesnews.com website for a link. And uh, and you do have a fascinating website. It's called AmericaInvades.com. America Invades, all together, um, the words are together, no period, Invades.com. Uh, yes, your, your listeners can find out a lot more information on our site, AmericaInvades.com. And also, I should point out that by percent of all proceeds go to military charities as well. We are oh, a awesome. friendly uh, organization. That's yeah. awesome. And, and quickly tell our listeners you have a, a, a new book coming out, correct? Uh, we do, as, as a matter of fact. We've just uh, released our, our sequel, which is called Italy Invades, How Italians Conquered the World. Oh, uh, wow. Is this, from uh, ancient, little... is this from ancient Italy or current Italy? That's, that's right. We go back. We think we interpret Italy in a very broad sense, going back to the Romans, even a little with the Etruscans, to... The, you know, through Garibaldi, Mussolini, and right up to the present day, to wow. where you have That's uh, Europe. I mean, yes, Italian. I mean, just this year you had your uh, Italian fighter pilots intercepting Russian planes over the Baltic uh, near Latvia. Uh, for, I mean, so so you have going back in time to you know uh, Romans fighting with the Gladius, uh, of course, and, and conquering conquering their empire. One of my listeners, um, um, again, saw the, the promo we had um, um, during the radio, prior week during the radio uh, broadcast. We had little promos, and as well as in my magazine. And this gentleman wanted me to ask you, so, how did you get access to top secret and classified information, or did you? Well, that's a that's a good question because and that's the thing is that history takes time to to do properly because I mean when I mean the hardest chapters in the book to write are on the recent conflicts the conflicts in Iraq Afghanistan uh, Syria of course that's going on right now with ISIS and so forth because because as say, history takes time in the sense that it takes time for memoirs to get published it takes time for secrets to get divulged and there are still I mean there are I mean there are still secrets. Uh, that the British government, for instance, not released about World War II. Um, from really? Wonder what, what, why is that? Have you asked why? Well, the, the, the one I'm thinking specifically is Rudolf Hess. Uh, when he flew in May of 1941, he uh, allegedly had a peace treaty, uh, a formal peace treaty that between the Nazis and, and Britain that he was trying to negotiate. And the text of that treaty... You know, if it exists, I mean, but and allegedly it does. Uh, that has never been released, 
And you think, like, my God, I mean, World War II was a long time ago, and who would be damaged by that? But for the British government, for in its wisdom, has chosen not to release it. So, so I mean, it, the thing is, we didn't we didn't rely on anything that's that's not. Um, uh, public knowledge or, well, I mean, in a sense, we relied on, uh, of course, books uh, and, of course, the Internet uh, for doing our research. It took us about two years, two of us working on it together. Uh, but and we also, well, except that one thing is that I also did interviews with uh, veterans as well. Oh, so I had a couple okay. of, of Vietnam vets who were sources for me in the book, and they did provide some things that, you know, that you, you can't find on, on the Internet or in other books. So, um, so that I was really grateful to have an opportunity to get to know vets and learn more about their, their actual stories. So in, in your research, I think I asked you this earlier, but I, this person asked me, wanted to ask you again. He, he puts a note here. He says, Gary, ask, ask him what was the most interesting finding in his research in his book? What, what's the number one thing? Number one thing, uh, well, I think the thing that's kind of astonishing is the way that, you know, nations that, you know, at one time that we might have fought, uh, don't, we're, we don't, we become friends with. I mean, obviously, we're, we're close with Canada um, and today, and, um, and we're a very close ally of Canada, even though we did fight with them in the past. We fought with Great Britain, and we're very close allies with them today. Um, the Vietnam, for instance, we fought a very bloody war uh, in Vietnam, and we lost you know, over 50,000 American casualties and many more Vietnamese casualties. But today, uh, we're actually on very good you know, terms you know, economically in terms of tourism with Vietnam. I mean, uh, a friend of mine gave me a hat. A friend of mine who ser- serves in the U.S. Rangers uh, gave me a hat, that, which is emblazoned with the American flag on it. I looked inside of the hat, and it said, uh, made in Vietnam. So, I mean, even the, the tchotchkes for the U.S., some of the U.S. Army, uh, are being made in Vietnam these days. So it shows that the world changes, and, you know, the, the enemy of yesterday could, could become the friend of tomorrow. Wow. Good point. Um, so the... One item that uh, we need to talk about, what was the most current invasion launched by America? The, mo- the most recent yes. one? As well, in terms of American military involvement, the most recent one, we had to actually update it from the book to the, to the e-book, was <laughs> our involvement in Syria. Um, that when you, Clearly now you have American special forces and American uh, aviators that are, have been fighting you know, either over Syrian airspace or in Syria lately. So... So yeah, that would be probably the most recent recent uh, you know American you know Americans fighting that uh, would be you know the most recent one. Interesting. Uh, another aspect that I think that uh, I think you, you, we talked about this during break, but I also saw this is you know America militarily, but also we've done other types of invasions, right? They're called like right. cultural invasions, right? The sure. Elvis, the Elvis phenomenon, the McDonald's um, franchise in Absolutely. Europe and Asia throughout the world, right? Well, others? Absolutely. I mean. This year, in 2015, there will be 1,500 Starbucks opening up in China. Starbucks, and, ah. and, and so, so you know, in the 19th century, we're trying to, in many Americans, are trying to convert them to Christianity. Now we're trying to convert them from tea drinking to uh, coffee. Uh, so, <laughs> or, <laughs> and so, and, then, and they're having some success with that. So, so yeah, some invasions are benign. I mean, I guess and the other thing to point out in terms of, of 
military involvement. And the thing that's really significant this year in 2015 is that here we are, the 70th anniversary of the end of World War II, and right. we're celebrating that. And uh, and the thing that's astonishing about Europe is that you know Europe has has been really over history a very bloody continent with two world wars in the 20th century, the Napoleonic Wars, the Hundred Years' War. I mean, the expectation in Europe is that countries are going to be fighting each other on different sides of, of, a, of a river line or a religious line or whatever, and, uh, and that has been going on for thousands of years. And, but for 70 years, you, with the exception of the breakup of Yugoslavia, there has been peace in Europe. And I think part of that is, uh, is because of the U.S. military and not just our invasion and winning World War II, but our continued involvement afterwards, too, and remaining there to try to to assure the peace. Well, Christopher, I just my wife and I visited in May several countries in Europe, and uh, some are very appreciative of our of our support, and others are not. So, but I think the major, most the majority are. And you're right; those 70 year period, I think, wouldn't have been a peaceful situation if it wasn't for us being the having this the sentinel effect and and being the the watchover person, right? The neutral watchover. I, that's right. We, we won, won the Cold War without firing a shot, um, uh, which was, of course, very important. And we built Europe uh, with the Marshall Plan. And, 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 it, and it wasn't just military involvement. It's economic. It's diplomatic. It's all the rest of it. But, but it's, you know, it's, of course, it's taken a very long-term commitment. And you've still got troops in Germany and Italy to this day, of course, in, in bases and camps um, serving, serving overseas now. And and in in closing, I want you to emphasize that you say many times in your book that, you know, Americans, though seemingly needed to invade or military involved, there were a lot of sacrifices by those men and women who served in the military to help others in those particular countries, right? To their their sacrifices. I mean, a lot of them sacrificed their lives, their their limbs, their livelihoods, etc., to help the freedoms in many countries in the world. I think that's absolutely right. I think it's important to remember in Veterans Day, you know, the, the right. sacrifice of so many guys, not only those who died, but, uh, but those who, you know, have been wounded, have, been, have suffered as a result of war, uh, or have had time spent away from their families. And, and, they, and, of course, they do to this day. And you have separation of families as a result of military deployments, you know, going on, you know, in 2015 as well. So I think we have a lot to be, we should, to be grateful for to, to our vets. And maybe we should uh, buy them a slice of pizza. So That's pizza. right. That is definitely right. Uh, again, thank you for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. You have a fascinating book. The book is America Invades, How We Have Invaded or Been Militarily Involved with Almost Every Country on Earth. And it's by Christopher Kelly and his co-author, Stuart Laycock. And it's available, of course, you can, you can order it from your website at www.americainvades.com or you can go to amazon.com or you can visit at our website at thebestoftimesnews.com. Again, thank you for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you very much, Gary. Appreciate it. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by A Bears, Tiny Country F Report, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep Dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show.